savoring sweetness, the life and times of Walter Payton. Oh, I remember the first time I met him. Yes, I do. And uh, it wasn't love at first sight. <laughs> what, was, what, were, what were the circumstances? His college coach, who was dating my aunt, um, was the one who decided he wanted Walter and I to meet. Um, and I was still in high school in New Orleans, and you know he was starting his freshman year at Jackson State. So I went to Jackson, Mississippi one weekend with my aunt, and Bob um, set up the date for Walter and I, let him use his car, and we went out on a date. And the entire evening, he talked about another girl that he liked. So it definitely wasn't love at first sight. And I actually felt sorry for him. I, I, my thing is, if I knew this girl, I would have actually tried to help get them together. Uh, so needless to say, when I left Jackson and headed back to New Orleans, I didn't expect to ever hear from him again. You know, I wasn't interested, and I didn't think that he was either. But I think it was Coach Hill's doing, though. I think he, for whatever reason, he saw something in me that he believed would have been really good for Walter. And so he pushed it and um, asked my parents if he can come down for his spring break uh, that April. And uh, they were sort of reluctant to have him come, but they did. They allowed him to come. And it still wasn't love. It still, you know, I just, he was different. He was truly different. Uh, but it wasn't until I ended up going uh, to school that summer uh, and I tried out for the J-set, which is like the dance, dance squad and that we got to hang around each other a little bit more, and then um, I started to like him a little bit more. <laughs> what was it about him? You, you said he was just different. Can you, can you expand on that? What was different he, about him? He was, he was quiet. He didn't say much, um, and I could ask questions, and he truly didn't give answers. Um, my mother made dinner for all of us. He wouldn't eat dinner with the family, but later that evening, he wanted me to go actually fix him a bowl of cornflakes. And it's like, you, you could have had this wonderful meal that you turned down for whatever reason, but you want me to go make you cornflakes. And I was really irritated by that. So he, you know, he was, and I just found him to be complicated and difficult, and my mother did too. Uh, and actually, she could not wait for him to leave. <laughs> she could not, and she's like, I hope you're not planning on seeing that boy again. So I'm like, no, mom, I'm not. <laughs> so then what, what was it about him, you know, with all this pushback that, that really made you fall in love with him? You know, once he started to open up and you got to talk to him, then you realize how playful he was and that he truly was a funny guy. And he loved to dance, and I loved to dance, you know, so we would do fun things like that. And, um, the, you know, the guys that he hung around, like Ricky Young, who ended up marrying my aunt, who was two years older than me. So we got to do a lot of things together. And, um, yeah, so once he opened up and started talking and really being his funny, crazy self, then, yeah. One of the things that I noticed in just looking through all the video is you mentioned um, when he came to Chicago, you know, his other teammates got drafted by Southern teams. What did you guys think of Chicago when you first came <laughs> up here? Had, had the two of you been up here before? Well, I had never been to Chicago and I had a lot of family members that lived here. And so 
the pictures that I remember seeing of the houses that everybody lived in, to me, resembled like a birdcage because they were small and narrow and they all had those little, you know, like that. So, and I knew it was cold and I just knew that people would talk about the when. And um, so when he got drafted by Chicago, I, I, I was just sad. I thought, wow, of all places to go, you got drafted by Chicago. It's cold. People live in bird cages, houses that look like bird cages. You know, um, I knew nothing about the city. I really didn't. So I wasn't the happiest. And then I think during that time, they used to have something called the All-Star Game. And they played it um, out in Evanston at Northwest at uh, Northwestern Stadium. And I came up for that game and I fell in love with Evanston. So I thought, well, if by chance we marry and I do have to come to Chicago, we will live in Evanston. It's beautiful. And I still hadn't come to the city like Chicago yet. So, um, but then I thought, okay, if, if I, we get married, I can live in Evanston. I, I can do that. <laughs> when you met him, he's obviously playing football. You get to see him play a lot down there. Was there any idea that he would be the greatest ever when you watched him play? I mean, when, when did that change, if it ever did? I didn't really pay attention. And I love football. You know, I, I, I do. I love football. But I didn't really pay attention to how he played in college. I would hear things and people talk about Walter. And I think, too, like his coach, when he would talk to my aunt and then my, my aunt would share things with me, knew that he was destined for, good, for greatness. He, he knew that. And I think that's why he wanted him to have some girl who he felt like could settle him and really be there and not take advantage of, but just could be, you know, be there for him. And so, um, no, I was worried about everything, other things, you know, going to class and the band and all of those things. So I really didn't pay attention. Now I knew there were girls who didn't like me because of this guy, but it truly never fazed me. It, it never fazed me. I don't think until it was getting close for draft time and then there were all this talk of um, him being, well, well, draft time and um, Heisman, you know, when you talk about Heisman and stuff, and I guess I really never thought about it, which I guess was good, and maybe that was the one thing that Coach Hill liked about me, that I wasn't really so caught up into all of it, so. How hard were those first couple of years? Because the Bears weren't. <laughs> oh, it was tough, because they really weren't good at all, and then it made me go back to my feelings. Oh, you poor thing of all the places you could have gotten drafted. You got drafted by the Chicago Bears. It's cold and they're awful. And I don't know if they'll ever be good, you know, and everything was Walter, 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 you know, but he never complained. Honestly, he never complained. He was good with it, you know, and I don't think he mind carrying the team on his shoulder. He really didn't, you know, because I think he knew what he was capable of doing. So he never really complained. And I'm glad he didn't listen to me, you know, and he just, things just went over his head, you know, and. Uh, Did he ever, I know you said that he never complained. He took a beating <laughs> those first couple of years. <laughs> yes. What was that like? I mean, coming home, did was he in an ice bath the whole time? Like, what, what was it like? Could you tell you know, he was hurt? You, can, you knew that he was hurt, but again, he never complained. And, but I never, 
I never saw him wobble or hop or whatever. I mean, yes, he might would have, a, you know, like scratches or bruises or a swollen elbow or, or his knee. And then I would see him, you know, get, you know, we would like ice his knee, ice his arm. But I, I just knew it was all part of it, you know, and that he would be okay. And I think because he really never complained about it, you know. Um, so, you know, I would just see him do that, but not really, you know, not a lot. He would go to Lake Forest and he would, you know, uh, on his days off and, you know, he would get his treatments or whatever like that and he would come home and ice, but that was about it, you know, and I don't even think he took a aspirin or a Tylenol or anything. I mean, I never saw him take any of that kind of stuff. Right. So I just figured, you know, he's okay. When did he find the hill? Do you remember when that started to be a thing? I don't know when he went to Buffalo Grove and found that hill. Um, but I know it was something he wanted to do because he would run the sand dunes in Mississippi. And so for a while we would go back. We would go back, you know, uh, during the off season. So he could work out and run the dunes, the sand dunes there, you know, and the, his familiar places, you know, to work out. I don't, I truly don't know. I don't know if it was maybe coming home after a few years of being there. And, and of course it was after we moved because we lived several places, you know, before we actually bought our home in Arlington Heights and um, and then he had to drive that, you know, the distance probably from Lake Forest and come to Buffalo Grove and, you know, and for working out, first of all, you know, he was one of these people that he, he took that very seriously. And, you know, what he knew what he needed to do and he knew what he wanted to do each season. So he knew how he had to push himself during the off season. And he truly pushed himself as he said, almost to the blink of, uh, blink of dying and then come back. So finding that hill was a big deal to him to be able to run up. And it wasn't the, the best place to go, you know, because it was smelly and stuff like that. So no, I wouldn't have never gone. I'd seen pictures, you know, of them running, but, but I'd never been there to actually physically see him do it. Um, so it wasn't like something that you drove by? No, because it, it, right, it set off the way it was. It was, it was kind of off behind the subdivision and everything. So he really had to search and find that. Not unless he could have seen it from, um, oh, what was the name of the, the health club we used to go to um, out that way. Um, it'll come to me, but not unless you could see it maybe from that area, but he, you, you would have had to have known that was back there. In talking to um, Kevin Kelly, what was that dynamic <laughs> like? I mean, were you a little like, wait a minute, who's this guy that you just met at this health club that's coming? No, no. You know what? Kevin was a great guy. You know what? He was this young guy, and the fact that he was even willing to go to walk. I mean, I, I mean, I guess most kids, teenagers would have. It's Walter Payton for really, I'm going to go work out. But no, I thought he was just this cute kid, really this cute kid who that Walter truly allowed into his space, you know, to work out and, you know, and Kevin could come over. And um, so I no, I just thought it was great that he had a partner that could actually go and keep up, you know, and Kevin was, he was determined he was going to do it, you know, and he did it. He kept up with him. Right. What was that unorthodox training like? Kevin described a scene where you're like in your house in Barrington, he'd, he'd literally say, all right, we're gonna run through these woods and they'd just be dodging trees. I mean, do you have any stories like of Walter's workout habits that put in perspective how? No, I just know that he, most people probably would say no. I shake their head and said, I can't believe it. And you know, and why would you even put yourself through such, 
rigorous training, you know, and, uh, but no, it was, it was good for Walter's personality and for kind of the kind of person he was, you know. And really, I mean, he was the person who took the soles out of his shoes and it's the hard, the nails inside, but yet he, no socks, and that felt good to him, you know. So he was just this tough person, you know. Right. Yeah, and stuff like that made sense to him. With Kevin is kind of a, the ultimate example of this. I, I feel like Jarrett, just from hearing the stories about Walter, is similar where he makes you feel like he's known you forever the, f the second that you meet him. It's interesting that you said he was quiet at first. Could, did you ever, like walking down the street, was, was Walter that way with people? What, what made him so infectious for people where he would just instantly know them? The thing, he was quiet. And yes, he would mess with people. You know, he, he really would. If he was a kid, you know, he'll, hey, come over. You know, uh, does your mom go over there and hug her, kiss her, give her a kiss. I mean, he, that, it was just in him to do those types of things. But yet he truly was a very quiet person because at home, you know, we called it like our basement, our lower level, the dungeon, because he kept it dark and, it, you know, and, and that was his peaceful place, you know, and most times he would be down there by himself, you know, so, but when he was out in public, he truly allowed everybody into his space. And I think that's what got a lot of people because it's like, here's this guy that we all know and is, you know, and, and looked at him as this great football player. And yet he would allow, you know, people to come into his space and talk and he would speak and smile and laugh and joke around. But then once that was, you know, it's like it was over, it was over. But no, he was very comfortable in letting other people, you know, and in helping people. I mean, and some of the stories I've even heard, you know, with people who didn't know him, but but had like some encounter with him, whether they were broken down on the side of a highway and Walter passed and he stopped and said, hey, do you need help? Do you need me to drive you someplace? Or could I help you fix your flat tire? That, that's who he was, you know, so. Along those lines, was that tough on you? I mean, he's away playing football all the time and no, he's letting people in. <laughs> I wouldn't think he has a lot of time to do all of that stuff. No, it wasn't tough. You know what? I, and like, I, and I think, you know, I'm pretty acceptable to things and nothing, not too much really ruffle my feathers and bother me. And, and I think it was all part of who he was. And, and the fact that, you know, he was truly good with the people who really loved him and cared about him. Truly, I, th I mean, I mean, it speaks volumes now you know, when you look back. So I think the way he was and how he was with people, he was that was part of his journey. And, and, and I'm glad I didn't do anything to interrupt that or change that, change the outcome, you know, because I think if he had been different, that maybe how people look at him now and feel about him and feel like they had this real, this personal relationship with him, maybe that would have been different, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, so, no, I'm glad he got to be all that he wanted to be in, you know, with people in general. And if we were out, and if we were out as a family, you know, he was very protective of that time and that space. And so, you know, he would just tell people, you know what, I'm with my wife and my kids, and I would love to give you an autograph or take a picture or whatever the case might be, but can you just let us have dinner? And if you're still here, I would love to. If not, you have to leave, give me your address. You know, I'll mail you a picture, an autograph picture or something. So. You know, he he was respectful of our time too as a family. That's what I was going to ask next, because Jarrett just seems like that with his kids. Like the thing he cares most about are his kids. And they were asking Walter in an interview. I saw, you know, what 
what do you look back at in your most what are your most fond memories and he brought up Jarrett's first steps what what kind of a dad was he um uh, he loved his kids and he you know he spent the time and he was there and and um and he and Jarrett were really close you know and he was the one that would take him for the rides in the night when he couldn't sleep and try to get him to go to sleep and you know, and, and as soon as he would pull in the driveway, Jared would wake up again. I mean, you know, he was that dad that did stuff like that. You know, I'll take him in a car. Maybe if we drive him around, he'll fall asleep because Jared never slept. Ah, but uh, no, he was really, he was, he was, he was a dad. He was a dad in every sense of the word for the kids, you know. What was it like for you and, and him to watch Jared play sports and become the prominent? It was fun. It was fun, and I think he was really proud of the fact that Jared stood out in a sport that had nothing to do with him, you know, with, with, with Walter, like he, with soccer, and he was an outstanding soccer player, and uh, we would miss a game. We would not miss a game, and Walter came to as many as he could, you know, and he was that dad that, I mean, he stayed, you know, he stayed out of the way, he stayed far away so that, you know, he wouldn't interfere with anything with Jared, and, and um, but Jared knew he was there because they had this little, you know, this little thing where he would whistle and Jared would hear it and know that he was there. But, uh, but no, he, we both, we really enjoyed it, watching him play soccer. Was that tough? Because it seemed like nobody would have known that he was sick if not for that signing. Do you remember that when, when Jared announced he was going to Miami? I do remember that day because I was not happy with my son that he had made that choice to go to Miami. So I remember that day like it was yesterday. I was so upset with him because I didn't get why he wanted to go to Miami and Walter kept saying, Connie, leave him alone. It's his choice. We said we were going to let it, let, it, let it be his choice, you know, and, and uh, if that's where he feels good and wants to go, let him go. Let, you know, let's, let's, let's be good with it. So, um, but yeah, I do remember. I do remember that day. Did I expect, I mean, I knew the weight loss was noticeable. Um, did I expect any comments to be made about it? No, but I knew eventually somebody would have question, would, was going to question it because it was so evident that he had lost all this weight, so. Was that, I mean, Jarrett described it as having to be in the spotlight all the time. What, what was that like going through something that traumatic? Like, did, did you, did you think he was going to get better and that made it easy? Or how, was, how did you deal with that? You know, I think we all wanted to believe, and at the time we had a lot of faith that he would get better. We didn't know. We, we knew it was bad. You know, we knew it was bad. Um, um, at, um, when he first got the diagnosis, um, and it was, it was told that he need, needed a liver transplant, we weren't so worried because we figured, you know what, maybe he would, you know, because sometimes you could just even get a piece of liver. So we figured that might would happen. But I think when it, when it got really serious was when he was diagnosed with the, when the cancer. And, um, um, and we knew then that he was, the way the cancer had spread and the way it was, and uh, the stage that it was that he, you know, was no longer a candidate for the liver transplant. And uh, we, we really needed to deal with the cancer, you know, and not worry about the liver. Now we just needed to worry about um, dealing with the cancer. So, um, yeah, we knew it was serious, but, you know, we, we prayed and had a lot of faith that, you know, that, that he would get better. But uh, so we just took it a day at a time. 
you know, just took it a day at a time. And we really didn't want to think about the worst, you know, about him not, him, you know, him not making it through it, so. The reason that I ask, I guess, is because Jarrett described him as a superhero, and I think that's the way a lot of people recognized him. So to see somebody that strong, I, I guess it just, it made me think how tough it must have been for, for you guys. It was hard. It, it, no, it was, it was truly hard because, you know, like I said, Walter, during all the years of playing, the 13 years of playing, and all of the beatings that he took, he never complained. You never heard him complain. Uh, you know, and he never talked, you know, talked about anything being too sore, too, I mean, he, he just never did. So you, so like I said, I always thought he would be okay because he never complained, you know, and I never seen him take medicine or anything like that. So I just didn't think about it. So I, so I understand why Jerry thought he was like, he was like Superman because, you know, he didn't get colds, he didn't get sick, you know, and um, so um, we just thought at first, you know, he would be okay with this too. You know, but it definitely came at a, at a big surprise because here was somebody who we said took care of himself, you know, worked out, trained, ate right, you know, didn't drink, you know, and didn't do any, didn't smoke cigarettes, didn't do any of those things. And yet to get something so horrible, you know, um, but, and it's like, why him? And that's one thing he, he said that he never asked himself. And I'm blown away by the strength of all of you. And I, I don't want to dwell on it. So the, the last one that I have about it is, at the memorial service, could you feel, and you mentioned it before, people, I mean, I don't know if you can bring it back up on camera, but the, the, the fact that people flew in, like could you feel the impact that he had on Chicago? I don't think I really knew until he, how well he was thought of until he got sick. And because of all of the letters and things that were pouring in, I mean, you could fill up this room with letters and cards and like, wow, did you even realize that you had this impact, this kind of impact on people? And things were coming from other countries who I didn't think watch American football or knew about American football. So that part, I think we were all shocked. I think even him, I think it even surprised Walter to that degree that that many people from all over the world cared and knew, you know, and offering to give liver, their part of their liver and all kinds of things, just wonderful gestures. So. Um, I think that's when it hit me just how well he was thought of and how much he was loved. And, um, and it, you know, after he passed, I, I think, you know, for me, when I look back on it now, I think I was kind of like in this fog. You did what you, I did things, I don't remember what I did or how I did it. You know, even the, like the ceremony at the church, I, I know I probably talked to, Everybody that was there, do I remember the conversations? No, because I think somewhere I was there, but I wasn't there, you know what I mean? It was like this out-of-body experience. So I don't even remember it. I think, again, I had to do what I needed to do to get me through through it all and, um, and you know, to be okay because I knew I needed to be okay for my kids and, um, and didn't know what life would be in the future, you know, without them, you just didn't know. It was a lot of uncertainty. Um, but, um, you know, but thank goodness for the love of everybody and, and during that time. And I, and, and, and I would tell the story when I, when I would speak, and speaking is not something I really cared to do, but I did a lot of it then because I think a lot of people really, for them to heal, ne needed to hear the story, you know, and how, it, how we all got through it. But honestly, I, 
I said then, and I think what really made me feel good, realizing how people really did love and look at Walter, and I thought, boy, how lucky am I to live in a city where I could probably walk up to anybody, anybody's door and knock on it or ring a bell and they'll come to the door and realize that it's Connie Payton and they'll open their door and let me in. How many people, most people can't say that. So I knew I had this whole city, you know, behind my kids and I, that I knew that they were gonna be there for us and they weren't gonna let us fall. We were gonna be fine, you know, and they were gonna make sure of it. And I felt that, I truly felt that love and that support, and I knew that people genuinely cared. They truly, truly cared. And I, I mean, I could cry now thinking about it, because that's a big deal, really, to know that people, I mean, what he did and how people felt about him and how that transferred over to my kids and I, and they were gonna make sure that we were okay. So that says a lot about the city that we, that we live in, so, yeah. With that, the statue, what does it mean to you and to what do you think it would have meant to him knowing that that was going to happen? Oh boy. Oh, I know he's going to be very proud of it. I know he is. And when we went, what was it, in May to see uh, the clay portion of it, it is so awesome. It truly is. It. This guy has Got well. I mean, he really. Um, it's Walter. It's Walter. I mean, you really look. We were looking at him, and we were waiting for it to walk away, you know. And we were looking, waiting for the eyes to close because it looks so real. I mean, it is truly an honor, and um, and just a blessing for us, you know, to just have that, and it will be there forever you know, way when I'm, I'm long and gone, long gone, my kids are, you know, my grandkids, that will be there. So he will be, that will be there and people will remember him forever and ever. So, I mean, that, that's beyond special to me, honestly, you know, so. Jarrett said that he played to be the best. I mean, is that a good way to describe, I mean, and does this kind of, would this be the ultimate for him? I mean, there's the accolades that you can put in history books, but to, to be immortalized that way. You know what? That's true. He, and I guess that's why all the years he never complained and he worked himself out the way he did because he wanted to be the best. So he worked out and he played. That, that's it. He worked out and played to be the best that he could be. You know, he, he want, really, every, I mean, he, he set these goals, he knew what he wanted to achieve, and he did it. So I think this, this, it's, it's an honor, I think, fitting for Walter, you know, the type of person he was and how he was to the game of football, how he played it. And um, he really did. He put his heart and soul in it. So, and like I said, he left, he, he, he left it all out there when he left. You know, when he left the football field, everything he had, he left out there that game. So, uh, so I think this is very fitting. Does being next to Papa Hallis have a... Does, just because the Hallis and the McCaskey family, Jarrett always refers to them almost as family. Does it feel yeah. like that? Oh, they are. They've been awesome. They truly have been wonderful. Um, and they are family. They will always be family. And, um, and I didn't really um, have a chance to meet, you know, Mr. Hallis, but um, Bud Holmes, Walter's agent, was just sharing, um, who was Walter's agent, was sharing stories last night about 
um, his encounter with, with Mr. Hallis and when they were trying to do the contract and, and um, you know, when Walter got a signing bonus of 125000 which is nothing today, but at that time, and I don't remember what year it was, but he goes, that was a lot of money. And Mr. Hallis, just give it to him, just give it to him, just give, you know. And his encounters with, you know, with Mr. Hallis and, uh, and, and from starting the foundation and what it all meant, you know what, there were, I mean, he, he's, he, uh, George Hallis is football, you know, he is football. And you think about it, you know, the league is 100 years old, the Bears are 100 years old. I mean, this is all, it started. This is where it all started, so, yeah. Two more. One, I don't know if you'll even know this or not, but people, when they talk about Walter, there's always the, the butt with the Super Bowl. They feel bad <laughs> for him. Did you, did, did you feel bad? Like, no. was that a thing? Did he, <laughs> did he, did he talk to you about it? No, he didn't talk to me about it, but talked about that too last night. <laughs> Cause I said, but is this wealth of information. I wished he was here so you guys could have talked to him and interviewed him because I mean, if anybody knows Walter, he knows Walter, all of the in and, out, in and outs. But uh, Walter truly was upset. He was, he was hurt over the fact that he did not get to make a touchdown and some of the things that happened in the Super Bowl. I had no clue any of this was going on. I was just happy that after all these years, we won the Super Bowl. I didn't care how we won it, who made the touchdown. We just needed to win the game and we won the game. That was in the story for me. It's like, really? He's what? You know? And, um, you know, and like Bud said, I don't care what happens. You get out there, you smile, you give that interview. It was all good no matter what happened. That's, Walter, that's, that's how you want people to remember you, really. So you, I think he said he was in a broom closet or something like that. You come out of this closet now and you put your pants on, your, your big boy pants, and you go out there and you know what? You be thankful that you had a coach like Mike Dicka and Bubba. He said, that's, you know, so, and that's what he did. So, but no, I had no clue any of that was going on. I was just a nervous wreck through the whole entire game. I mean, it couldn't have been more perfect that it was at home in New Orleans for me, you know, but, um, and I knew that it was probably a few years before he would retire. And with all that, you know, when I think, look back over all the past years and how many years it took us to get to this point. We won the Super Bowl. That's all that mattered to me. <laughs> so last one. I try to ask everybody this. What do you hope his legacy is? Oh man. I you know what? I I I hey, I, I, I hear it every day. When I hear when people come up and approach us and and always have a story of just the kind of person Walter was and how he led his life by example and you know that you treat people the way you want to be treated and he was just really a good humble human being he truly was he you know he didn't put on fanfare for anything he was just who he was so i mean i think his legacy you know what he played hard you know he lived right um you know he loved what he did and i i think it speaks volumes for, it speaks for itself you know what i mean just having a statue. I mean, I think if he had been anybody other than who he was and, 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 and not even so much about the stats on the field and what he did, I think it's more about how he lived his life as a human being and what he gave back to people and, and he truly did, you know. <laughs>